good? Awesome. Without further ado, we always have my pastor come every month and preach, and he does such a great job. I could go. I've traveled just to hear him speak at different locations, and he didn't even know that I was there, and I would show up and hear him give a word. I'm just telling you, I just always honor him because he's my pastor, my spiritual father. Would y'all please stand up and just welcome Pastor Chuck Waldrop preaching this morning. Amen. Always good. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. And Pastor Legan, if you're talking about plant-based diets, I'm going to help with that. I'm going to eat every cow and pig I can find. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll take some of the competition away from you. Leaf eaters. Isn't God good? Hell, it's good to get up here and see who all is here. Praise the Lord. It's been a busy, busy, busy month for Levi and I. Since we were here with you last, we've been in Baptist churches. We've been in, get this, a Presbyterian church. Wilder than a goat roping. I'm telling you, just crazy people. But God's doing something, and what we see and what we hear as we're uh, out and about in, in different churches uh, is that people are looking to be reestablished in their kingdom purpose. We were in a service Friday night, I guess, yeah, Friday night. It was off the chain. I mean, I'm telling you, these people, it was in a prophetic church, and I'm telling you, you say, you go to all kinds of churches. Well, I have to keep sneaking in, you know. I mean, it's, uh, God's doing something in this hour. I mean, we want to sit here at, I don't say crossroads. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lee. Uh, access. Amen? Three of you look at me like a cow at a strange gate. What do you mean? God wants to do something fresh and new here at Access Church. Some of you are saying, well, I kind of like it the way it is. That may get handled even better. If you have your word with you this morning, uh, let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, as we are seeing things unfold. I know in the natural it can be almost intimidating as to what's happening in our nation. But in the background, God is moving. He's shifting. He's changing some things. And we have to understand that God wants us to have a defined purpose that he has established for our lives, activated. And here in John chapter 4 and verse number 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. I could preach on that, but I won't. And he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, pause right there for a moment. Uh, I'm I'm not going to try to do this. Uh, It would take a series to break down John chapter 4. But this morning, I want to give you a few highlights of this chapter because God's saying something to the nation here uh, as where we're at right now. He said he needed to go through Samaria. The word needed there, you have to understand, is not just like you need a drink of water or you need to uh, get some new shoes. The word needed there, when you break it down in the Greek, it says it speaks of being bound to something that there was no way of being freed from this obligation if he needed to stay in the will of God. He could not vary. He could not go around Samaria. Now, I'll tell you in a moment why that's such a big deal. But see, it was so imperative to him, he could not go another way. I read one commentary concerning this, and he said, well, it was the shortest route to get to Jerusalem. But that's not what he was talking about here. Something dropped in the spirit of Jesus. Now, understand, I'll show you more in a moment. He he was a flesh body. But something dropped in his spirit that says, you can go no other route than through Samaria. Now, why is that even important? You have to understand that in the eyes of the pure Jew... The Samaritans were mongrel Jews. They were mixed breeds. When they had taken 
and pulled and brought into captivity the ten tribes of Israel. They left two there, Ephraim and Manasseh. And this was claimed to be the remnant of those two tribes plus the colonies that the king of Assyria planted there of the Medes and Persians. And they had intermingled and the Jews looked at them as an, as an outcast. They would have nothing to do with them in a religious manner. Now they had set up their own temple. They had set up a place of worship in competition with Jerusalem. They were so intent on having their own identity until the Jews began to prosper. Then they wanted to align themselves with the Jews. But the moment things turned, they'd go back to the Medes and Persians. And there was this animosity there. There was this hatred there. And Jesus, of all, you know, he was raised in a religious atmosphere. And you say, well, but he was Jesus. But he was also a man. And his religious mindset had been pounded into him. You have nothing to do with those Samaritans. And yet God is calling him and compelling him. You've got to go that way. Can access church handle such a mandate from God that he says, this is the way you have to go and you cannot deviate from that? Can you go that route when God says, this is where I've pointed you to go? With no, ab- with, with no other options, with no other turns to take, you have to, if you're going to stay in the will of God, you've got to go this way. Now, when you begin to understand that the, the turmoil that this must have released, not just in Jesus, but his disciples... I mean, Jesus had a word, but we don't see anywhere that the disciples had a word. They had to follow, not fully understanding what's going on. So we drop down to the next set of verses in, in John 4 and verse number 5. And he said, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey. Now hold it right there. I've already mentioned, he was in the physical body. Have you ever gotten weary serving God? Jesus is on a divine mandate. He knows his time is short. Maybe not the exact date of his departure, but he knows he's in a window here that he's got to do something. Could it be that access has entered into a window of opportunity that you have to step into? Can you you imagine that God would give you a window of opportunity to move? And when he got there, he was just wore out. You think, oh, no, he's God in the flesh. But he still had to carry that in a physical body. And I know that this spirit of weariness that has tried to encamp itself against the kingdom of God and against the children of God has got to be broken in 2020. You cannot let the weariness of this world. Now, this is this men may be talking here. We stay away from a lot of the natural news. You say, well, Brother Chuck, you need to know what's going on. Let me tell you what. God on his throne knows better than CNN what's going on. And I'd a whole lot rather have his interpretation of the news than some uh, talking head that I don't even know. Is that all right? Now, that's just us. I'm not telling you to turn off CNN or CNBC or Fox or whoever. I'm just saying we just don't listen to it. For one reason, it makes me mad and I don't want to throw a shoe through the TV. Don't want to have to go buy another one. But they're weary. They're tired. They're wore out. And he said he was wearied from his journey. And that simply means he was weary, tired, and exhausted. Thus sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour, midday. Shouldn't have been a lot of people around that, around that well at that time. They usually came early in the mornings and came back late in the afternoon. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Keep that in the back of your mind, and I'll show you something in a moment. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, wait a minute. When he looked at her, and there was obviously something that stood out that she knew immediately that he was not a Samaritan. And he looked at her, and he said, Give me a drink. Now, wait a minute. If you look at this historically, the Samaritans and Jews would buy and sell with each other. They would do business. But it was forbidden for a Jew to drink from a cup or eat from a plate that had been touched by a Samaritan. And here is Jesus stepping up, knowing this is a Samaritan woman. He's on a divine mission. She sees this Jew sitting there. She doesn't know who he is yet. And he says, give me a drink. Don't you know that sucked the wind out of her religious sail? Because suddenly here's something that is out of the ordinary. I'm here to tell you, there's something out of the ordinary happening in the body of Christ. A couple of weeks ago when we stepped in that Presbyterian church, how many knows we've got a religious mindset that we've tried to deny, but it's still there. I've, I've been in Presbyterian. If you're a Presbyterian, I'm not picking on you, but I've been in some of, some of them. I wanted to take the pulse to see if anybody was alive. But man, you walk into this and the musicians get up there and they come out smoking. They can play. This place just erupts in worship. And for the next two hours, we have church. I mean, God is up to something. We sat a few weeks ago with a Baptist leadership team and they're saying, what do we do here to get more? I mean, we want something more. We spent yesterday with a leadership team in another city of a full gospel church where they're saying, we want more. You're going to have to break some religious mindset barriers if you're going to get more at Access Church. Oh, we don't have a religious mindset. You brought it in with you. I thought I was going to be nice this morning, but I can't. It's... Come on. You've got to understand that we all have a preconceived notion of who God is. But we don't have a clue in reality of all that God is. Why? He says, I can do more. I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. It's not even entered into your mind yet who God really is. Now, y'all got a taste of it this morning during the altar service. Why? Because it would have been fine with me if Pastor Lee just said, let's just work on this a while. Because God is up to something. And we have to be willing to just, you know, we were in a service Wednesday night. Man, it never went beyond the worship time. I mean, you've got the worship team collapsing. Not from exhaustion. Holy Ghost was moving. I mean, things are happening, church. And he's looking at this woman and said, I'm going to rock your religious world. Give me a drink. Don't you know, she said, huh? How is it that you... Being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? You want something from me? How many understand this? Everybody's got something to offer to the kingdom. I don't care where you came from. You say, oh, Brother Chuck, there are heathens in this world, but do you realize that God deposited something in them? Oh, that went over real big. It's just not been activated by knowing Jesus and coming into contact with the Holy Ghost. God did not just pick you out of a litter and say, you're my prime choice. He put something in everybody to fulfill a divine kingdom purpose. Are oh, you mean, Pastor Chuck, that guy sleeping under the bridge is doped up, smoked up, and drunk up, and he's got a purpose of ki- in the kingdom? Absolutely. 
It's just not been activated. Be careful how you treat people walking through those doors. That could be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That, oh, but they, they, they smell funny and they all, they're all dirty. But you don't know what the Holy Ghost can do. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. This ain't going where I thought it would. You've got to understand, God has something more that you can tap into if you're willing to jump over that religious wall that you build up in here and let God just be God. You want to drink from me? The confusion, the, 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 uh, the, the surprise in her, in her life. She suddenly says, how can, that, how can that even be? Here it is, high noon, bright as it's going to get. And he's out here talking not only to a Samaritan woman, but a woman of other issues too. John 4.10. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you only knew who you're talking to. See, again, preconceived notion. She says, you're asking me? He said, but if you had just turned that and asked me, I'd give you something that is considered life-giving water. All I got to do is ask. See, we think, and and I've been doing this a long time. Livy and I are coming up on 48 years uh, of marriage and me coming up on 49 years as a believer and about 43, 44 years as a preacher, something like that. And I am seeing things now that I've heard proclaimed decades ago becoming, coming into manifestation. And you're starting to see this urgency. And he's saying, you've got to understand this. He said, I can give you what's lacking in your life. Now, what was that lack like? Well, you, gotta, you, you talk about a setup. I mean, Jesus set this woman up. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Oh, did she open a door. You're asking me for water, but you say you got water? That if I drink it, I ain't never going to be thirsty again? Show me. It's basically what she's saying. Just, just, just show me. Then where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Well, yes. Who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, wait a minute. There's a lot to be said there. Time won't permit me to to break it down into segments, but understand this. He's telling her, I'm about to rock your world and turn it around so you don't even recognize what's going on. I'm going to take, and there's something inside of you, lady, that if you drink from what I offer, it's going to spring up inside of you. Let me tell you right now, watch this. I know I'm going to, I'm going to mess with some of your mindset right now. The, 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 the idea, I'm just going to slip into church, and I'm going to get my seat, and I'm going to rest my blessed assurance right there, and they can do all that hooping and hollering and dancing and praying all they want to, but I'm going to slip out the door. No, 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 no. Once you start drinking from the well that Jesus has can, only can offer you, something's going to spring up inside of you, and your little, your little feet's going to get that little pity pat going, and you're suddenly going to get that swing and sway going, and suddenly you're going to find yourself out there, and 15 minutes have gone by, and you say, what happened? 
You, some of y'all said, oh, God, please don't do that to me. Oh, God, please don't do that to me. All right. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been around Pentecost and Charismatic a long time. And, I, and just being blunt, and as, as I know how to be, sometimes believers do what I call a courtesy flop. You lay hands on them, they just fall because everybody else did. <laughs> you say, oh, Brother Chuck, you're being sacrilegious. No, I'm just being real. I've seen people go, start to go down, they look over their shoulders, make sure they ain't behind them, you know. I've seen it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying we, we, we play religious games. Huh? We just, we just play the game. But I'm telling you, there's a genuineness about this. And I always, it was almost a point of pride. This was several, a long time ago. I said, you know, I pray for people and they've fallen out. I've never fallen out. I've never been slain in the spirit. Until we went to a meeting. Now, I know you may, we have differences of opinion about different people, but there used to be a guy who run around. He's still, he's still around, but he's not as prominent named Rodney Howard Brown. Anybody ever hear of Rodney Howard Brown? Few of you have. Wild. And we were, in a, we were in a conference in Charlotte, and it was so many people that he couldn't get everybody in the altar, so he put them out in the hallway of this hotel. And I'm standing there, and I'm watching them, people falling. And, I get, he, and I'm thinking, <laughs> Here we go. He laid hands on me. I hit the floor. And I thought, that ain't supposed to happen. I tried to get up. And I'm going, I can't get out of the floor. I can't get up. Libby's going to hang me for this. She couldn't get up. Got up drunker than a sailor on leave. I had to carry her. Her arm around my shoulder, back onto the elevator, back up to our room in this hotel, and people are going. And Libby's going. <laughs> Libby was raised in a preacher's home. She didn't know what drunk was. I did. And if she, if I've ever seen a drunk, it was her. I practiced drunk for a long time. I know. You've got to understand. When God begins to move, He said, "I'm going to put something in you. You cannot hide." I'm not just talking about being an emotional thing, but I'm talking about when you really begin to ingest what he's offering the church in this critical hour, it is going to manifest itself in a way that you're not going to be able to hide it from the world around you. We have almost been a secret society in the church. Oh, we have church when we go to church. We dance and we sing and we wave our hands and we speak in tongues and we pray and lay hands on people. Take it outside. What do we got? Business as usual. You say, are oh, you talking about me laying the hands on people in Lowe's? Well, it probably wouldn't hurt. I go to Lowe's sometimes. I think everybody got raptured. It's supposed to be helping me. I can't find nobody. <laughs> That's just me. Years ago, we were sharing Jesus on the street. Now, I know y'all don't know about doing that. But we used to get out and witness on the street and get out tracks. Anybody old enough remember when Belks? The department store was downtown. Oh, Jesus. Belks and Bon Marche and all of them were downtown. 
We were down there giving out tracks, and I wandered into Belks and got over in the housewares thing. And I'm just, I'm just on the prowl. I haven't been born again very long, and I'm just looking for somebody to lay hands on and pray for and get them born again. And there's this lady working there, a young lady, probably about my age at the same time. She's a very attractive lady. And all I said, I just walked over and said, you know Jesus loves you. She collapsed in my arms, bawling, crying. I'm talking about snot slinging, crying. And I catch her. And I thought, oh, Lord, I ain't been married but a few months. I hope nobody don't see me. (laughs) And she's sobbing. And I thought, Jesus, what do I do now? I caught one. I don't know how to clean it. (laughs) I led her to Jesus right there in Belt Department Store. And you know what? It worked just like it would here in the altar at church. Huh? When you begin to release what's inside of you, now I know some people are crazier than a shot cat and you've got to have some structure in your life. But when you begin to receive from God, something's going to come out of you. You just cannot help it. Amen. All right, I got to go on. That's taking longer than I meant to. He said, but it's going to spring up into everlasting life. Now, John four fifteen, And the woman said, sir, give me this water. Wait a minute. She wanted what he had, though she's a Samaritan, a mongrel Jew, and he is a Jewish rabbi. Now, she doesn't know who he is yet, but it's about to get real. She said, give me this, that I may not thirst nor come near to draw. Here we go. And Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said... I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and one whom you now have is, your, is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. And she said, but this woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, what, what's just happened here? The prophetic voice of God has just unca- uncovered the hidden secret. She don't know who Jesus is. He don't know what's going on with her. Let me tell you, God knows God knows exactly who you're talking to and what they need to hear. Can you be so alive? Again, you're drinking from his well. It's coming up inside of you. It makes a divine connection. And suddenly a prophetic word is released into a situation that had not been able to be fixed up to that point. Are we willing to let the Holy Ghost perform that way? I hate to use that word perform. But you have to understand, he is wanting to express himself... Through the church. Paul writes and he says that we are ambassadors or representatives of a ruling authority. He says it's as though God were pleading through us. Can you handle access church? Can you handle the prophetic voice of God speaking through this house to Asheville, North Carolina? As it always does when we were in the meeting with the leadership team yesterday in another city. And, and when it come up that we were from Asheville, you got, they, got, they get these little funny smiles on their face. You're from Asheville. Because they know Asheville. They know Asheville everywhere. That's where the freaky people go. Oh, that's Beer City. That's the New Age Mecca. That's San Francisco, the East Coast. That's what they say. It's on, it's on billboards. It's on bumper stickers. Rolling Stone says it is. You see, what, what does Rolling Stone say? It is. Uh, what? Freakiest. Yeah. 
freakiest town in America is Asheville, North Carolina, according to Rolling Stone. Understand that. That is the label they have put on this city. Why? Because we have not released the prophetic voice of God that speaks into the situation they're in and show them a way out of the darkness where they've been wandering in. This church has got to be a prophetic. I'm not saying you're prophets, but I'm saying there's a prophetic word that can be released here and taken there and see our city, as the the word talks about, turned upside down. I know, but understand this, when you turn something upside down, stuff falls out. Hmm? You have got to understand, this is not going to be church as normal and church as usual. When you begin to turn a city upside down, there are going to be some freaky people come through that door. There are going to be some people who don't know which way is up, but the prophetic voice inside of you can show them just like Jesus did her. You ain't, you ain't telling me you ain't got a husband. You've had all these other ones, and none of them had worked for you. People are looking for an answer. Some are t- trying to find it in New Age. Some are trying to find it in opioids. Some are trying to shoot it through with heroin. heroin. Some are trying to drink it. And ingest it because we're Beer City. It's not the answer they're looking for, but the Holy Ghost of God through you can tell them who they are, where they are, why they are, and show them a way out. Can somebody say amen? My God. We have got an opportunity as a church. You're getting ready to enter into a 21-day fast. That's not just so you can go out and graze grass and lose weight. It's so that God can get through the veneer that sets itself over our lives to try to keep us from hearing the manifestation of God in his glory and that we can receive that and turn it and use it to change our city. I don't know if you saw the, uh, now again, we don't watch news, but I do do get on the internet and explore and read certain things. I saw the video of the March for Life. When it first popped up, it was, a, it, was, it, was in a, it was not, it was in fast forward. And I thought, that looks like a wave. It was people marching for life. Now, I'm, no, I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't agree with everything our president says. I don't. Sometimes I think that man been hit in the head when he's a kid. He's crazy. <laughs> but what I do agree with is him taking a stand for the unborn. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I know he's not perfect, but I know that God has placed him for such a time as this. You say, well, Brother Chuck, is he even born again? God used Cyrus. God used Nebuchadnezzar. God used Pharaoh to bring about his purpose and plan. I don't know where he stands spiritually. But I know this. God has not forgotten America. He is urging, he is poking the bear of the church saying, it's time to get up and get out and get on with it. This church has got to awaken to the fact that you are at the precipice of something magnificent and powerful, not just for this house, but for the body of Christ in general, if we will but raise our voice and lift our hearts and say, God, speak through me. You pray for your pastor to get up here and preach, and rightfully so, but he is not the only voice that needs to be heard coming out of Access Church. Every one of you have a voice. If you are born again this morning, you have not only an opportunity, but an obligation to to declare, thus saith the Lord. I know I'm messing with your oatmeal this morning, but it's all right, because God is wanting to do something through you as an individual. i got to hurry. Come on. He's saying here in John chapter 4, 19, he says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. 
And you Jews, she's still got the problem. You Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. Say, but the hour is coming. And now is, and said, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, wait a minute. We talk about we're going to seek God. Do you understand this? God is seeking you. Not that you shouldn't seek God. During this time of fasting, please do. But understand this. God is looking for you just as hard as you're looking for him. Who's he looking for? Those that will worship him. In spirit. Now get this. That that is not talking about just the Holy Ghost here. It's not even talking about the spirit of God. That word spirit there means the rational spirit. The power by which human beings feels thinks, wills, and decides. It's our soul. In other words, we're in control of that. That went over real big. Because we want the Holy Ghost just come in and sweep us up in the glory cloud and we have no control. No, he says, I want you to determine. I want you to will. I want you to decide. I am going to worship God. I, I don't care what I feel like. Have you ever had a day when you didn't feel like worshiping God? Hmm? Have you ever had a time when you were just going through something? It just ain't in me today. I'll go to church, but they better not ask me to smile. (laughs) And woe be when anybody puts that offering basket under my nose. They better not tell me they love me. They better not want to hug my neck. Now, he says, you've got to make this choice. We want to just put it off on, on, on spiritual planning and say, well, God, if you want me to worship, you'll make me. Oh, get over yourself. He's looking for people who will determine, I don't care if I get my way or if I don't. I don't care if I like Pastor Lee or if I don't. How could you not like Lee? I don't care if he preaches the, the sermon of the decade. It doesn't matter. I'm here to worship God. I'm not here to look around and see what everybody's wearing. I'm not here to look at that person and say, I'm going to sit on the other side. I won't be near them. I'm here to worship. I'm here to give God glory. I decide that not just when I walk through those doors, before I leave home, before I get out of bed. I am going to worship God. And he said, not only in spirit, but in truth. Get this. Veracity, reality, sincerity, accuracy, integrity, truthfulness, dependability, and propriety. That's what he's saying. He said, I want you to want to do it, but I also want you to live the life that supports it. See, sometimes we want to live how we want to live, and flip the switch when you come through the door. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to worship God. 
Ooh, Jesus, I have kicked the bucket over this morning. I've done run over a sacred cow. Well, Brother Chuck, I think I should be able to live my life in accordance with how I want to live it. You can. You can. But don't expect God to be pleased with that. Huh? You got to understand, God's asking something of the church. He's putting, a, he's, he's putting a mandate on us. I'm not talking about, all right, leave your hand me when we get through here. She, she came up through a very strict Pentecostal religion. You had to wear sleeve, sleeves on your sh- dresses a certain length. Men had to wear ties. Some of them, not, not particularly her church, but they couldn't have facial hair. I mean, you had to, ugly people went to church. <laughs> Lord help. They didn't wear no makeup or nothing. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to, some of you don't know who Kenneth Hagin, but Kenneth Hagin, you said any old barn looks better with a coat of paint. We won't go down that road. I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just repeating it. Baby, if you got your keys, go start the car. I'm going to have to make a run for it. <laughs> I'm getting a stink eye from some people. He says, no, I want this to be so real inside of you that it just goes with you everywhere you go. The way you carry yourself, the way you conduct yourself, the way you treat other people, the way you allow other people to treat you. Understand, it's not all about you this morning. It's about the kingdom. That's why we're here. We're not here to talk about church this morning. We're here to talk about kingdom. Amen. See, we turned, we turned church into a democracy. It was never intended to be that. God says, I am king. I am Lord. King simply means that's his authority. Lord means, and this is my domain. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I'm here as a servant. I'm here as a steward. It doesn't belong to me. So i got to hear the voice of the king to know how to walk in this integrity, this virtue, this truthfulness, and be the person that God's called me to be so that he might manifest himself when two or three get together. He said, when you do that and you're walking in spirit and truth, he said, I'll, I'll show up. I'll show up like he did this morning and lives are going to be changed and bonds are going to be broken and disease is going to be healed and financial needs are going to be met. Why? Because you have set your face like flint to seek God wholly and completely and you're walking in your worship in spirit. You've decided and truth, you're living it. Can you handle just a few more verses and I'll hush. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Understand this. He is the answer to every question society is asking right now. He's the answer. You mean he knows how to settle the racial issues in our country? Yeah. Just no man according to the flesh. Huh? Our black brother sits right there. If I cut him and cut myself, guess what? Blood's blood. We just, we just got, we got different coverings over it. You mean that God can take and, 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 fill, the, and, and fill the need and the, and the agenda of the homosexuals and the LGBT and all that? Yeah. He made, he made man, he made woman. That, only two. Somebody said there's 40-some genders. Not in the kingdom. They two. They two. 
That settles the issue. You say, well, you're being ugly. No, I'm not. I'm not against homosexuals. I just don't, I just, I just don't, I just want to see their lives changed. I was a drunk. I was a dope addict. I had to be a dope addict. I was crazier than a shot cat. And Jesus changed my life. If he can change who I was, he can change who they are. That's just me. Here we go. I'll wrap it up. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That word food there means what sustains me. Is that your heart cry at Access Church? All we want to do is the will of God. And he says, if you do my will, you'll run into my my substance and my sustaining power. Do do you not say there will still be four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for the harvest are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying, in this the saying is true, one sows and others reaps. I sent you to reap, therefore, which you have not labored, and others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. Now stop there for this. What is the harvest? I think it reveals itself here. Verse number 39, but many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The whitened harvest, I believe this, as they are talking, his disciples are trying to discern, has he eaten that we don't know about? They don't understand what's happening because they know they're in a Samaritan uh, region and he shouldn't be eating and drinking after them. But he says, but he's telling this woman, no, the harvest is white. If you look toward the city, there's a crowd making its way there. Why? Because they're starting to hear about what she has encountered. I'll guarantee you this. As good as the crowd has been at Access Church, if you start manifesting the Christ of this generation of all time, if you start manifesting the Messiah, there is going to be people come because they're going to hear. But once they encounter Jesus for themselves, it's not going to be because of some old wives' tale that they heard years ago. It's going to be because God speaks to them personally. And they say, we know this by experience. Are you ready for that kind of transformation? Are you willing to pay the price? To drink from the cup and eat from the plate of people who are not exactly like you. See, we have our little clubs in the kingdom. Pastor Lynn and I were having coffee the other day, and he talked about going to a particular church that thinks the only kind of Bible there should be is the King James. He was really embarrassed because he had a new King James. We have gagged at a gnat and swallowed a camel. And I know there's some interpretations of the word that I don't particularly care for, but as long as it talks about Jesus, I've come to this conclusion. If it's not salvation essential, I don't care. I don't care personally. If you don't wear a coat and tie to church on Sunday morning, don't bother me. Well, Brother Chuck, they got tattoos. I don't care if you got tattoos. I don't care. I don't care if you've got body piercings. You've heard me say it before. So that you got enough holes in you when hard wind blows, you can whistle like a tea kettle. I don't care. It's not my thing. But Jesus is. 
Let's just bring the plate and let Jesus clean it. How about it? Let's catch the fish and he'll show us how to clean it. Let's don't ostracize people in our religious, little religious clubs. And I'll, I'll, I'll get off that subject because I'll make somebody mad before I get out the door. But God is looking for us to walk and work together. Was I surprised when I got the text asking me if I could come and minister or we could come and minister at a Presbyterian church? Absolutely. Oh, look me over good because I, I don't look like Presbyterian. You say, well, you look like old man from Madison County. I don't look like Presbyterian. We go to, go to Baptist churches. I don't look Baptist. Why? I carry a new King James. I have to practice tying a tie every day because they never wear them anymore. Are you willing? Are you willing as a church to take all the restrictions off? That you have created in your own mind. And say God. Take us to Samaria. See you got to understand. The last words. That we read in Acts chapter 1. Of Jesus to his disciples. He says and you shall be witnesses to me. Where? Jerusalem. Where they were. Judea. What surrounded them. What was next? Samaria. The place of conflict. Of different ideologies. Of different ways. I'm not talking about that we get out here and just accept everything. I'm not talking about compromising the word. Understand this. The message never changes. But methods do. We have got to reach a generation that has not been raised in church. They're looking for an answer. And get this. You can't go out and get fallen down drunk with an unsaved drunk. Expect him to want what you got because he done got it. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. I went over into the sacred cow territory again, didn't I? I'm not saying. You cannot act like the world and expect the world to want what you have because they done got that. Are you willing to live a separated life? He said, come ye out and be ye what? Separate. You know what separate means? To set off by boundaries. We have a boundary we do not cross. We do not defile the blood of Jesus. He is our Savior. We look to God our Father. He is our King. And we have an opportunity, again, an opportunity to step into something that is going to transform not just Asheville, not just Western North Carolina, but turn our nation upside down. I ask you the question, who's with me this morning? To let's do something for the kingdom. Stand with me if you would, please. The essence of who you are. Help us to walk in constant communication. With you. Speak to us in Ingalls. Speak to us on our job. As we talk to our neighbors across the backyard fence. Speak to us Holy Spirit. And let us be those. That you would plead your case through. To the lost and dying and the hurting of this world. God I declare this this morning. My heart desire is. To see Asheville North Carolina. Turned upside down down. In Jesus' name, amen. Ain't God good? Are you ready for something more than you've ever had before? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't, don't take it with you outside these doors. Thank you, Libby. Only one that said amen was my own sweet wife. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, Pastor Lee, for letting us get up here and act crazy. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Here's your pastor. Amen. Y'all give it up for a pastor. Amen.
Amen. Usher will be in the back. If you'd like to give to him, just make it Access Church and we'll get him a check. We love you guys and we'll see you next week. Amen. Okay, Pastor Chuck talked about turning Asheville upside down. I just want to invite you on this first Saturday, February the 1st. It comes right before the fast, but there is some of us at the jail that are going to pray for those pastors, apostles, teachers that are behind the walls of the jail. And then we're going to pray for our city and our county. So if you want to be part of the shaking that's happening, uh, it starts on, it's going to be the first Saturday of the month. We're going to have it here at Asheville at 930 on Saturday morning. And then Sunday we will start our fast and more directions to follow. Awesome, awesome. Amen.